You are listening to the City on a Hill Sermon Podcast. For more information about our church and to support this ministry, visit cityonahilldfw.com. Thank you. Aren't you glad this is not me, church? Some of you are like, well, hold on. Let's talk about it. Let me be honest with you. We, we love you here. If you're a guest with us, uh, we're, we're thrilled that you're here with us. We want to minister to you in any way that, that uh, we can. And, and this might come as a surprise to some of you, but City on a Hill, as it turns out, does not exist for you. Uh, our goal, our mission, our vision is not to make much of you. It's to make much of Jesus. We are Christ Church. We belong to no one else. As much as I love hearing your opinions, and I really do, I, I really mean that. I, I love to hear from the congregation. I love to hear your ideas and suggestions. That stuff does matter to me. Uh, at the end of the day, the decisions that we make, the direction that we move in, is dictated not by your opinions, not by my opinions or any one person's opinions, but by a plurality of what the Bible calls elders, men raised up by God in this local congregation, affirmed by this congregation, and charged by the word of God, as we're going to find out this morning, to shepherd the flock of God. And so this morning, what I want us to do is take a quick look, and I do mean quick, through the scripture regarding the role of the elders. In other words, I want us to ask the question, what do elders do, right? I mean, how many of you have thought that before? Like, what do our elders do? What's the, what's the role? What, what does scripture say they're responsible for? And then the second question I want us to answer this morning, because I, I do think this is also very important, is who are our elders? Who are our elders? One of the things that I hear often, more often than I'd like to admit, from, from several people in the church is, you know, I don't even know who all of our elders are. And to me, that's, that's not good. These are men that you're affirming to make really big decisions and lead and, and sort of establish the direction that we believe Jesus is, is dictating to us that, that meet the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 that are extremely important to the vitality and direction of City on a Hill at large. These are men that you should know, that you should be at least familiar with. And so this morning, what I want us to do is look at what Scripture says about their role and, and what we're going to do is we're going to interview, uh, in brief, our two newest elders that have joined the elder body this January. January begins the new year, and so uh, interview them, hear from them, and then we're going to get a chance to hear from Tony Ritchie and Richard Austin, two of our elders who have faithfully served for the last three years that uh, rolled off at the end of December, and, and get a chance to hear from them as well, and, and also thank them for their service and pray over them uh, before we dismiss. Now, up front, I, wanna, I just want to say very quickly, this is an abbreviated approach to unpacking what the elders do. In order to have the time to sit down with them and interview them and, and get a, a face to a name for you guys, uh, I have to shorten my part a little bit. So we're going to talk about the role of the elder this morning, what the Bible calls them to do. <clears throat> what we're not going to talk about as much is the qualifications for elders. Uh, the, the role, so let me just say this up front, the role of the elder in the Bible is the singular role, this is important, <clears throat> the singular role in ministry, in life really, that is engendered, meaning that if you are going to serve in a ministry capacity, you can do so if you are 
either a male or a female, except for in the category of elder. It's the one category that the Bible does engender for males. And, it, and it's not just any male, not just any man can jump up and be an elder. They have to meet certain qualifications. There are multiple qualifications that are very important. Interestingly enough, if you read those passages, they are overwhelmingly really about the man's character, not about his competency. Uh, it, it is a character-driven set of qualifications. And we're not going to discuss almost any of those this morning. If you have an interest in knowing more about the sort of the, the distinctions between qualifications, uh, then I would have you at some point go onto our YouTube channel or our, we have a Spotify or Apple podcast channel as well, and look for the sermon that uh, happened last year. I preached it. It was a part of our, our study in Titus. on June 19th called Non-Toxic Masculinity. Um, That was a Father's Day message, actually. Non-Toxic Masculinity. And that entire message is really devoted to the qualifications for elders. And so if you're really interested in that, you're like, man, I don't really know that I know much about that. Then go on there, check that out. Uh, That will give you the rundown in depth, full length of what the qualifications really are for the elders. Sound good? Can we agree to that? Good. So with that said, what do elders do? What, are, what is their role? What is their responsibility? Let's talk through those. Uh, there's lots of responsibilities, actually, that the Bible puts on the elder in a church, uh, but we're going to just talk about really the big ones, the main ones. Uh, number one, first and foremost, more than anything else, they shepherd. They shepherd. First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, uh, the apostle Peter says, So I exhort the elders among you. As a fellow elder, so Peter himself is an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, this is the command, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So there's a lot going on here in these three little verses. Let me break some of this down. So the main command, as I mentioned, verse two, uh, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That word shepherd, it is a verb here. It's in the imperative voice, which means that it's not a suggestion. Peter's not asking them to prayerfully consider shepherding the flock of God. He is commanding them, shepherd, do this, shepherd the flock of God. It's the Greek verb poimeno, and it's a word that means something like to feed or to pasture or to tend to a flock. So this is actual literal shepherd terminology. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, if you remember in our Advent series, Luke chapter 2, we talked about how God ambushes the shepherds in the field and calls them the night the Savior is born to go and see the Savior with their own eyes. That Greek noun for shepherds is poimen. It's just a noun ver- or form of the verb that we find in 1 Peter chapter 5. In other words, Peter is commanding the elders of a church to act with the people of that church in the same way that shepherds in a field would act with the sheep they are charged to oversee in that field. And notice that he says, shepherd the flock of God among you. There's an idea of close proximity, right? There's a sense of of closeness. In other words, the elders, specifically here at City on a Hill, are charged to shepherd the members of City on a Hill. Critically, they are not to shepherd the members of any other church. Now, this may freak some of you out. I hope it does, because I like the shock value. Um, What if I told you that the same word for shepherd is the word that we, we translate pastor as well? 
So if you are uh, reading, show of hands, and there's, this is a great translation. Show of hands if you're reading the NIV. Yeah? Okay, so if you were to, in your NIV Bibles, look up Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And I'm going to put them on the screen. So if you're like, I don't know that I can do that, it's fine. I'll put it up there. <clears throat> this is a passage about Christ's gifts to the church. So Christ gives gifts to individual believers. He also gives gifts to the church, right, for the church to function and do the work of the ministry. This is how the NIV renders this. Uh, It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. In other words, this, these are the, the roles or the functions within the church that are meant to equip the people in the church for the work of the ministry. So you have gifting that is meant to go and, and explode the kingdom out into the world, and then you have gifting in the church that's meant to build those other gifts up so that you can go out and do it. So one of the gifts here in NIV's rendering of this is the pastor, pastors and teachers, uh, or now what we would refer to probably more uh, literally as senior pastors. So it's not just talking about any pastoral function. We have a tendency now in 2023 for like every position of leadership to be like the blank pastor, worship pastor, uh, children's pastor, student pastor. This is really talking about the pastor of the church, okay, the, the senior pastor. But look at how the ESV renders this. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Now, wait a minute. Why does one say pastor and the other says shepherd? It's because it's the same word, poimen. It's the same exact word here. So in a very real sense, this is what I want you to connect with, is that our elder body are pastoral. They are pastors. They are to be seen with pastoral authority in the church. At City on a Hill, there are seven elders. Myself, uh, the senior pastor, I am a uh, vocational or full-time minister here at City on a Hill. And then we have six others who are nominated and affirmed by you. They are not full-time. They're not even paid to be here. They are in service as lay elders. But biblically speaking, they hold the same authority. So in meetings... Uh, when we have elder meetings, we had one this past Monday, seven, six, seven days ago. Uh, I am one of seven voices at the table. When we talk about decisions that we need to make, whether that's church discipline or financial stewardship or whatever it is that we're talking about, ministry direction, I am one of seven voices. I don't get a multiplier, right? My, vo- my vote doesn't count for like 2.5 times what the other ones do. That means if I propose something and the others don't agree that it's wise or it's the right time to do what it is that I am proposing, I submit to the plurality of leadership and trust that God is going to lead us together to make the decisions pertinent for us at the time. Now, I am, a, as I mentioned, full-time pastor. I have two seminary degrees. I'm working on a third. I've earned the respect of these men, but I'm not above them. And I remind them of that regularly. We together, all seven of us, are to shepherd the flock of God among us. And by the way, just some of you like Hebrew number nerds are probably thinking like, ooh, yes, yeah, seven, the perfect number of the Lord. <laughs> that was not intentional. That, it's like there's no design there. It was just how it worked out. Um, but maybe we ought to start saying that. Yeah, there's seven elders to reflect the perfect nature of God. Um, No, we're not going to say that. That sounds really pretentious. We're not going to do that. So, 
We shepherd, understand this, in several ways, but I want to lay out at least two of them. This is the primary way I shepherd is through teaching and preaching. So one qualification of the elder is to be able to teach. First, uh, First Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, Paul says that elders ought to be able to teach. Titus chapter 1, verse 9, he says, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that, check this out, he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. In other words, the elder ought to understand scripture well enough in order to give instruction to the body and to correct those who are in error according to the word of God. Now, several of our active elders right now are actually teaching in some capacity. They're Bible study teachers, they're in discipleship, they're doing a lot of active biblical instruction uh, in a very formal sense, but all of them are able. All of them are able to reason with people according to the wisdom of God as revealed in Scripture. Now, let me be very clear about something. They are not all required to teach. So some traditions will have elders, they are required to teach. They're required to to preach even sometimes. Uh, Paul implies in 1 Timothy 5 that some of them will actually not teach or preach. Uh, 1 Timothy 5, 17, he says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So honor your ruling elders, that's your active elders, the ones who are, who are actively in service. Honor them, and, and those who are extremely exemplary in their shepherding, give them double honor, but especially to those who are active in or laboring in teaching and preaching. Meaning, some of them do teach and preach, give them a special honor, and some of them do not teach and preach, just give them the regular double portion of honor. So still good but really the ones that are teaching and preaching because they're carrying a work, they're carrying labor in a way uh, that, that requires extra out of them. But you're to honor them all. So teaching is not something that's required, but you need to be able. Uh, now, one of the primary ways that we shepherd also comes through just basic leadership. So the role of an elder is in every sense to lead. It is a leadership, it is a directional uh, leadership-focused role. And it is something, this is really important as well, something that they ought to desire to do. So there's this kind of, I think, trend in some churches where, where guys are almost looked down upon if they have a desire to be an elder. It's like, whoa there, a <laughs> little presumptuous, I think, right? And, and actually, that's, that's not the right way to see a desire to be an elder, uh, You should have a desire to be an elder if it is something God has called you to. Um, Elders not only must meet the character qualifications, they must not only be able to teach, but they should have a desire to lead. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. It is a noble thing for that desire to, to be born within a man who meets the qualifications. Paul is saying it, to desire to be an elder or an, an overseer is the word he uses here, the Greek term episkope, from which we get Episcopalianism. That's where that whole tradition derives its name from. Uh, these words are used interchangeably through the New Testament to describe the same office, elder, overseer. If anyone desires this, this role, it's a noble thing. So here's what that means then. Understand this. There are, there are men... I've, and I've seen this in my time here at City on Hill. There are men who are godly men who meet the qualifications for the elder. 
They are able to teach. You would look at these individuals and you would think, this is the guy we want leading in this capacity. He is, the, he is elder material, right? And yet, when you ask him, they don't want to be an elder. They're like, you know what? It's not really for me. It's not what God has called me to, to do. And in that case, what often happens in churches is because they possess these great characteristics and these great qualities and they, they meet all the qualifications, pastors will often sort of pressure them, hey, well, you know, you're, you're the man for the job, <laughs> right? You, you, you need to really prayerfully consider this. And, and what the Bible is telling us here, what the Bible is warning us against here is actually that's not the way we should handle these men. We should accept that they don't desire this leadership role and allow them to not lead, in fact, we're warned against this kind of, of, of coercion. Uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Look what he says, not under compulsion, but willingly. In other words, if I have to talk you men into service to be an elder, you're not the guy we need, and that's okay. That is not a problem. In fact, that's a better thing if you're in touch with that reality. God may have called you into some other service. He may have called you into some kind of evangelism or missions or, or just uh, shepherding a class in a Bible study. Like That may be where you feel primarily led, and that is a-okay. It's totally fine. The calling of the elder is a leadership responsibility. There are a number of decisions that we have to make throughout the course of our time in service regarding, again, ministry initiatives, direction upholding the mission and vision of the church, church discipline, hiring staff, financial stewardship. The elder's call is a big call to responsibility. And so we shepherd, not only through teaching, but through a leadership that we desire to walk into. So we shepherd. That's one of the, the one things that, um, that are, are huge. When we think of a sh an elder in a church, they are shepherds. They are pastors, pastoral in nature. Number two, they pray. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 14, uh, talks, talks specifically to what we're to do when a church member is very ill. This is not just like cold, flu, like sniffles, right? I'm going to get over it. This is like very ill. Cancer, something that is uh, life-threatening, something that is puzzling doctors, things that are, are really big. Uh, James 5.14 says, is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So James gives us direction here. This is the half-brother of Jesus, by the way, and he's saying, if anyone among you is very ill, you are to come and notify the elders that they may anoint you with oil and pray over you and ask for God's healing to come through your body, trusting in faith that God's will will be done. Um, I will say that, that the number of years I've been here, uh, I, I will have been on staff in July of this year, 15 years, which is, how did that happen? It's, it's really strange. How did, how did you guys put up with me for that long, right? Um, Granted, I came in in a very small role, but I've been here 15 years. I've watched the elders do this a handful of times. I remember. I've been a part of some of those, some of those uh, prayers, and, and it's a really powerful, I, I think, incredible service that the elders are to offer the body. That's something that you may not be aware of, and, and, and it's important that you be aware of that, that we do that. Um, it's not like special, you know, Jerusalem Oil, it's olive oil. It's probably extra virgin, olive oil. <laughs> Maybe even great value, right? Like Walmart brand. 
But, you know, I mean, in the same way that when we baptize you here, it's not heavenly water. It's just East Fort Worth water, right? It's really not about the elements as much as it is the faith behind it. Uh, we would love to pray over you if, you if you are ill, if you are sick. There is a way by which we can make that happen. Uh, the third thing that we do, and this is the last thing that I want to cover this morning that I think is really important that you may not know, is that we ordain We ordain individuals. Um, There are various ways to get involved in the ministry in the church, right? Some of you serve in the youth ministry or the children's ministry. Uh, Some of you are gifted in worship ministry. Uh, Maybe you teach a life Bible study here, which is City on a Hill's version of Sunday school. We just don't call it Sunday school. We call it life Bible study. Uh, Maybe you lead a life group. You shepherd a group of people within your home and are fostering community there. There's lots of ways to express your gifting and your calling that God has put on your life. And and you can do all of those things, many of you do, and work a full-time job Monday through Friday. We would call that lay leadership or lay ministry. That's sort of the technical term for it, meaning that it's ministry that is not full-time work for you. So consider that maybe you work a full-time job during the week, but you're confident and you're calling to teach the Word of God, and so Sundays you come to church and then you go to a second service where you teach a Bible study that you have been preparing for throughout the week. That is lay leadership, and I cannot overemphasize this enough, that is so important to the church. It is so important. It's, it's more important, honestly, than, than the vocational leadership. Uh, we can only do so many things as a staff. We, we require the body to do the work of the ministry as the Bible commands. So very important. Cannot overemphasize that enough. However, sometimes a person might sense that God is calling them into full-time vocational ministry to devote their whole life to their calling to go over and above and and commit their entire life and the direction of their life to serving God's kingdom in some specific way. It's a big step, certainly not for everyone. And so here's what's important, equally important to the calling, the sense of calling on your life to go into vocational ministry is a confirmation of that calling by other people in your life and in your church. Godly individuals in your church that recognize the gifting that God has put in you, who will publicly affirm you to the work of the ministry. You could call this ordination. Very often, people sense a call into a full-time ministry despite no one else really affirming that. When I did my Master of Divinity at the seminary, uh, I saw this all the time, especially in younger men in my classes that loved Jesus, that knew a decent amount about the Bible, and they thought that because they loved Jesus and they knew a decent amount about the Bible, that must mean they're called to full-time vocational ministry. And, and I can tell you, not many of those guys even finished the program, and some of them that did are no longer pastoring already, and that wasn't that long ago. I finished the, the MDiv in, what was that, 2018? Now, a whole pandemic happened, so maybe that had something to do with it, but, but calling should always be recognized and affirmed by people in your community, people who can evaluate you, your character most importantly, and the way that you conduct yourself around people, the way you conduct yourself before the Lord, the way that, that you're able to communicate biblical truth. Who, who, In other words, there are things that give people a good reason to believe you're cut out for the work of the ministry because it's not easy. And usually in the Bible, those individuals who are affirming and recognizing and publicly putting you out there are elders. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 and 13, command and teach these things, he says. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, 
and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Paul is telling Timothy, do the work of the senior pastor or the senior elder. Shepherd the people. Teach, preach, exemplify Christ. And we know historically that Timothy was indeed a pastor. He actually pastored the church in Ephesus to which Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians. So Paul is telling him here, act like a pastor. But then notice what he says in verse 14. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So there was apparently a time in in young Timothy's life when the elders in his church recognized the call of God in his life, recognized the gifting that God had put in him, laid hands on him, prayed over him, affirmed his calling, and then ordained him into ministry. This is so valuable. It is so important to have this kind of recognition when you move into full-time vocational ministry. On my wall in my office, I have uh, uh, degrees that I've earned, awards, academic awards. Next to all of that is my certificate of ordination. It is as important to me. January of 2013, I was ordained into full-time ministry, and I'm now carrying out that ordination into its fullest extent. And I have it hanging there to remind me of this pivotal moment in my life when men that I respected, that I looked up to, that I submitted myself to, recognized in me a calling to carry out that calling in a full-time manner. Elders are shepherds. We pastor through teaching instruction. We pastor through spiritual discipline. We protect through spiritual discipline. We pray for those who are sick or hurting. We lead by making decisions through the wisdom of Scripture, and we ordain those that God raises up in our midst to do the work of the ministry full time. That's a snapshot of of who we are, what we do. And and some of that may be very new to you. I hope it is. I hope that this is is instructive. Um, Obviously, There's a lot more I could say, but I think that's a sufficient picture of the role of the elder at City on a Hill. But but another question that that I think is is equally important for our point this morning is, who are we? (laughs) Who are the elders? So you obviously know me, uh, but who are the others? We have at all times, as I mentioned, seven. Myself, I am a full-time vocational elder, and then we have six lay elders. We all have equal voices. Uh, I remain in the elder body every year. I'm in, I'm in a constant rotation because of my role here. The others are uh, in three-year terms do they serve. So every year we have two that come onto the elder body and two that have finished their three-year stint that roll off. Uh, six at all times, each of whom serve three years. So it is January, marks the beginning of a new year, uh, which means that, as I mentioned a moment ago, Tony Ritchie and Richard Austin have rolled off. We're going to hear from them in a moment, uh, but I want to call actually up to the stage now Dan Tripp and Michael Lewis. Would you give them a hand? Right, and there is a microphone there. Let me make sure that that is on for you. There we go, you hold it. Okay, so what I thought would be fun for you guys, being that y'all were uh, newly affirmed, is uh, just in brief to share with the church your name, a little bit about yourself, family, uh, career, experience, all that. Sure, Uh, as Derek mentioned, my name is Daniel Tripp. Um, uh, We have uh, three grown children. Uh, my wife, Cindy, is in the audience, so we've been married for 26 years. Uh, first time we ever walked in this church was the first year we were married. Wow. And so it's been, been quite years. a while. Yeah. 
Um, I always served as an elder before in mm -hmm. the 2007-2008 range. Yep. Uh, in fact, we were building the children's building yep. uh, last time I served. So, um, Are we going to build any new buildings in your tenure here? Or? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Good. Let me know. <laughs> we'll see. Awesome. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I also consider my extended family um, my uh, life group. Yeah. Um, we've been attending the same life group since the day we walked in the, in the building. So, wow. Uh, it's been an incredible journey with these folks back when we were a lot younger and we had little kids running around. Yeah. And uh, now all of our kids are having kids. And so. Awesome. Um, yeah. Super. Super. I'm Michael Lewis. My wife is Christina Lewis. She's in the audience. Um, I have two children, a five-year-old named Makai and a two-year-old named Reese. Um, this is the only church I've ever been to. Um, the first Same time, here. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. The first time I started coming to this church, um, I was still an atheist. Uh, it wasn't, um, it took a long process of me coming to Christ and, and just looking at the evidence and being overwhelmed by it. And um, six years ago, I gave my life to Christ. And since then, this is something that I have dedicated my life to. I want to share uh, the gospel with people, the true gospel with people, and uh, help people, uh, help equip other believers as well to answer those difficult questions yeah. that I had. Um, this church has been a, a huge support in everything in, in my journey um, and my sanctification process in Christ. And I'm thankful for every one of you here. And I consider this a joyful, wonderful burden. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, just a, a couple of, of uh, notes there. So uh, Dan, I think, rolled off of the elder body the year before I came onto the staff. Um, so I just barely missed his tenure as an elder. Uh, Michael, you, you would be familiar with some of his work. You've heard uh, James talk uh, pretty extensively about the Fearless series last week. Um, Michael is the filmographer behind all of that. Um, he is an incredibly gifted uh, filmmaker as well and actually making an apologetics film called The Universe Designed that uh, when that is finished, we plan on having like a launch of some kind. And we'll let you guys know. I think we talked about maybe renting a theater or something and uh, making a whole evening of it. It's going to be really incredible. But you guys uh, could not have nominated and affirmed two better men um, every year when we begin the new year uh, in January for that first elders meeting, it's the first meeting with two new guys in and two guys that I have served with for three years that are no longer in the room. And there's always that feeling of like, man, how are we going to replace those guys? And God always has this way of in that first meeting being like, here you go. It's not about any one guy. It's about, it's about God's call and equipping to do the work of the ministry. And uh, I'm so confident and excited to serve with both of them. I'm going to call up our other four active elders right now. Um, they are not rolling off this year. They have a, a one year and two years left, respectively. Bob Hoffman, uh, Ryan Nugent, Robert Mangano, and Mitch Hendon. And uh, we are going to lay hands on them and pray them into uh, ordaining them essentially into this role, commissioning them into the elder role. And so I would ask for you as well as we pray to pray alongside us as we affirm their calling. Father, we thank you for uh, both Dan and Michael. What a tremendous uh, gift that you have put inside of them to uh, come and, and lead in a capacity that is uh, certainly set apart, 
um, that you have, have uh, brought them into and, and has been recognized by this body. We're eager um, to submit ourselves to their leadership and to see the direction that you lead us uh, as an elder body and as a church over the next several years, God. We are grateful for their families. We pray for protection from the enemy over their, uh, their spouses, their, their children, their families, their minds, their hearts, their homes. Um, God, this is a, a role that uh, certainly comes with pressure, uh, not only from people, but from, um, from the enemy himself. Uh, the enemy does not like to see the church strong. Uh, he does not like to see uh, the church walk in obedience to scripture. And so would you protect them uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit uh, and, and lead them with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit as well, God. We love you, how we thank you. Uh, we're so excited to commission them into service. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right. I'll take that. And then I am going to call Richard Austin and Tony Ritchie to the stage, war-worn war, uh, individuals. You can see it in the steps. They're just, they're, they're tired. They're worn out, yeah. <laughs> We're going to welcome them to the stage as well. I'll give you that as well. Yeah, give them a round of applause. <laughs> So um, tell them a little bit about yourselves. We'll start there. Name, family, all that. Mm. Uh, excuse me. My name is Tony Ritchie. Uh, my lovely wife, Leslie's out in the audience. Uh, we've been married. She'll shake her head if I'm wrong. I believe it's 35 years next year. <laughs> 35 years this year. 34. 34. Okay. Something like, yeah. <laughs> she, she's the number, numbers person. Um, uh, I grew up on, in, on the east side of Fort Worth. Uh, Graduated Dunbar High, uh, high School, went to DBU, graduated from DBU. Uh, I have three kids, uh, Cameron, he lives in Brooklyn, uh, Carrie in Houston, and uh, Mackenzie lives in Denton and comes home whenever. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, I'm Richard Austin, my lovely wife, Diana, my best friend. See that, guys? That's putting deposits in the love bank there. Uh, we've been going here for 12 years, and... Uh, in that 12 years, we have had such a blessing to be a part of love and respect yeah. class, nurturing couples uh, along with Dave and Diana Regis. We've got four wonderful children and six grandchildren. Love it. And for the most part, we're retired. Good. Couples, uh, if you've been in love and respect, raise your hand if you've been in there with them. Yeah, they're uh, such a force, such a positive force for marriages in this church and will continue to be. Uh, which is very exciting. I wanted to ask both of you, um, I was just curious, I, I want to know what, what is the one thing in your three-year time of service that when you look back on this time uh, of being a, an active elder that you'll remember more than anything, like just something that was maybe impactful or a decision that we made or something that took place that you're like, man, that was, that was wild. Well, I'll first say that we've been attending for 20 years and uh, we've, we've been members for, uh, I guess maybe six months after that, but, um, I guess we're the last of the COVID elders. Uh, you know, we came in, uh, in March, I'm sorry, January of 2020. And, uh, you know, the pandemic hit in March and, uh, there were some tough, tough decisions to make. Uh, and, and some of those decisions, you know, we still have to think about the body, right? And there are times when the shepherd 
you know, leaves the 99 to take care of the one. And there are times in that room where we have to do that very same thing to take care of different members of, of the body. Um, but during COVID, you know, there was decisions made that probably weren't popular. There was three camps probably, right? Those yep. who agreed, those who disagreed, and those that didn't care, yeah. right? So, so uh, James, you know, uh, was, was awesome. Derek was awesome. We had these Zoom meetings, right? <laughs> and I would never forget, you know, James in his bed with his puppy dog and Derek trying to escape his little three wonderful, beautiful little girls out of the patio as we're trying to have this meeting. But, uh, you know, we're blessed with the finances and the technology to still hold this group together during that time uh, through technology, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of places didn't make it through that. Um, I look out in the audience and, and we've made it through and actually we've grown. So yeah. uh, I think that's an act of God. That's God blessing this body. And uh, I'll always be a member of uh, City on the Hill Amen. or Celebration or whatever it's called. Amen. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag. Yeah, I agree with Tony. COVID was tough. And uh, what was really toughest about it was the building was empty. Yeah. And our number one goal was to get you all back in the church. But timing and sickness. But in the hindsight, the amazing blessing that that left this church with was our incredible online footprint. Yeah. It has grown wilder than we ever could have expected. I mean, people all across the country. The other thing that I'm so honored to have a part of is overseeing the transition from James to Derek. Mm. It, it, if you know James, he's an incredible storyteller and just a roundabout great guy. But to have the foresight to pick this young man and nurture him, I think we all see a little bit of James in him. But, you know, when my wife and I started coming here, <laughs> when my wife and I started coming here, Derek was a worship leader. Yeah. And one of the things that attracted me, our first visit was, he spiked his hair and he reminded me of the singer from Green Day. And I was sold. And now look at him before you today. There is, he is such a convicted Thank you. young man Thank you. that we are so blessed to have him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, they, they were called, he mentioned it, they were called into service in January of 2020 as new elders, and then March happened. And they are the, the last class of the elder uh, body that went through that time. Uh, which is kind of amazing um, to think about. And, and you know, the, to, to Richard's point about the online footprint, we had six subscribers to our YouTube channel and I think about three videos at the time. Uh, and we, I was just looking it up. We have almost 1,000 subscribers now. Uh, and I don't know how many videos. I don't know that I can see a count, but it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It's, it's hundreds. Uh, 2020, that's all we had for a while. And so we were putting out you know, messages and Bible studies and Good Morning City on a Hill and all kinds of, all kinds of content because it's, it's what we had. And, and that was certainly one of the, the blessings. Um, I, I, I can't tell you how proud I am of both of these guys. They have been tremendously encouraging to me personally. Uh, they've been tremendously impactful in the decisions that we've made over the last few years. And, and as they mentioned, by God's grace, I, we've grown. Uh, God has built us and strengthened us in a way that I don't think any of us could have foreseen. And, um, 
that's how you know it's him and not us. And so I want to uh, first of all say that about three and a half weeks ago, four weeks ago, we ordered um, our newly patented elder jerseys that we started last year. And I guess because of Christmas and uh, everything, we, we still have not received them in the mail. So I was looking forward to giving them this morning to them. Uh, I will present them at some point visibly so you guys can see them, but it's kind of a tradition that I started last year with elders who roll off to give them football jerseys that have the City on a Hill branding with their name on the back and the year that they graduated. So 22 uh, will be y'all's number. And um, I just wanted to call our elders back up onto the stage and lay hands on these men and uh, pray for them and thank them for the incredible servanthood that they have displayed and exemplifying, I think, the character of Christ in, in every way. As Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers, absolutely. Yeah, let me pray over y'all. All right. Father, I thank you so much for Tony Ritchie and Richard Austin, two men that have um, truly been through the trenches in the last three years and, and some of the most... Uh, really some of the most unprecedented is really the right word for it, uh, transitions that this church has ever seen in the almost 40 years of its, its existence. Um, they have been integral in some, some major shifts that we believe you led us to that we believe we're seeing the fruit of now. And uh, we're grateful for them. We pray for their families as well, their children, uh, their spouses, their hearts, their, their minds, um, that you would protect them as they continue to, uh, while not in active service as an elder, lead and exemplify Christ in every way and be looked to uh, with, with pastoral authority. Um, we, we like to kind of jokingly say, although we're not joking, once an elder, always an elder. They are men uh, to be looked at and esteemed. And uh, so I pray, God, that you would remind them that every day uh, of your love for them and the love that this church has for them, uh, that they have been so willing to sacrifice for our good and your glory. Uh, how we love you, how we thank you that you uh, have raised up these two individuals. Would you bless them as they go? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Yes, you as well. All right. Hey, bring it in. Yes, good. All right. Well, um, that more or less concludes our service for today. I uh, am going to count that prayer as our prayer, if that's okay with you. Um, I do want to just say quickly to you that our freedom groups are in sign-up mode now. And so if you uh, have not joined one yet, uh, still time to sign up, correct, guys? Still time to sign up. They don't start till February. So uh, join a freedom group. They're, they're going to be an amazing uh, batch of classes that we're rolling out. We're really looking forward to seeing what God does in those in your hearts as he um, sometimes painfully uh, molds us more into the image of Jesus. I hope that you'll prayerfully consider that. Also, uh, we have a night of worship coming up. In February, yes. So I think up on the screen, February 5th is our next night of worship. I hope to see you there. This is where we take communion together. Uh, very important for you to be here for that. And uh, look forward to seeing you next week for Sanctity Sunday. God bless you. We'll see you next time.